everybody. Welcome to Between the Horns. It is Wednesday, April 10th. Miles Simmons here with DeMarco Farr, who is back from being fishing. Yeah, large halibut. Large halibut. Yeah, I forgot, huh? almost forgot all about that. Hooked a large halibut. Didn't even know it was on my, my pole. Really? Yeah, because uh, these thick, deep sea poles, I was underneath the, the Golden Gate. They have these real thick poles, right? So they don't bend. You know, so your pole's just sitting there. It's not like trout fishing where you can see something's on your line. Sure. So I thought, okay, it's time to, you know, change bait. And I start, you know, reeling in and all of a sudden it gets heavy and heavy and heavy. (laughs) I look down, there's this huge halibut. Um, Have you ever seen like a halibut or a flounder? No, dude. I The only time I've seen a halibut is on my plate. Oh, okay. well, it's a flat fish and the eyes are on one side. It's it's a weird looking what? fish. Yeah, it's I'm a Googling flat fish. Right now. Look up, it's a weird looking fish, but it's huge. It's great tasting. Um, can't wait. I think we're going to we're going to cook it this weekend. Yeah. So I'm, looking, it was fun. I'm now looking at pictures of halibut and yeah, that it's a yeah. flat fish and it looks kind of weird. I've never honestly, you know, cause I, and you know this, I watch a lot of hell's kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, oh, he's always talking about one halibut, two bass, you know, da, yeah. da, 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 da. so that's when I usually see halibut ah. is on the plate. Well, this is the beginning part before it yeah. gets to chef Ramsey. Interesting. It's raw. Yeah. Love it. Yes. Yeah. I, I love it too. <laughs> but we also are now getting closer and closer to the start of the Rams off season program. We saw that, uh, we've got preseason Thank opponents now. God, yes. Yeah, you so tweeted that the other day. We got the Raiders. We got Dallas in Hawaii, right? Yes. Hawaii. Uh, and then we finished off with the Texans and Denver's coming to town. Correct. Correct? That's yes. going to be fun. Yeah, uh, good stuff. You, you sort of mixed up the order of the last two. But yes, we do finish off with the Texans. And then the Broncos are the only one Semantics. at the Coliseum in week three. I mean, like, if you're going to go through them. <laughs> Semantics. Which is what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Semantics. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's it, it. When you get those preseason opponents, it's almost like, okay, yeah, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And you can actually start to see it as opposed to it's just like, oh, yeah, we know this. The season at some point is going to be here, you know? Right. Uh, well, I, I guess we're, we're through with the NCAA tournament. We've yeah. already crowned the champion. Next is NBA, and then it's all baseball, and then it's football up next. So I just can't wait till we get there. This is a rough time of year for me, especially <laughs> once basketball ends. It's a rough time of year. So we're almost there. We're getting close. But then it's like, you know, that's August and we're sitting here in April. Right. So we still have some time. We have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. We have a few more months. Please. I'm, I'm just barely making it right now. Oh. We don't have that much more time. I mean, but what excites you about the preseason? Because like uh, I said, your, your tweet, you seem like, wow, this is great. You know, it's exciting about the preseason. I love preseason football because it's a time for guys to earn jobs and it's a time it's like you get your first look at some of the guys you just drafted or your free agents um like Oakland when you take on Oakland it, it depends on who's that quarterback Carr, I assume is going to be there but what if they draft Kyler Murray you have to deal with him in the fourth quarter or the second half of those games so those are going to be fun Robert Quinn is now in, D- in Dallas that's going to be interesting with Demarcus Lawrence for as long as you get them so just seeing how these teams evolve uh, from now until then is a whole lot of fun so it's like your first look it's a, it's a it's a coming attraction it's a movie trailer the preseason schedule is out get excited for it I like that the coming attraction yeah. the movie trailer I, I think it's interesting when you think about you know the preseason and who does play who 
who doesn't play like why it, it's a, it's an it's a learning experience mm-hmm. basically and so when you have guys like last year for instance Samson Abukam right he was kind of the only guy <laughs> on defense who really had to earn something earn a spot um, because you know basically no but none of the starters were playing mm-hmm. especially given that you know you had the Raiders in week two preseason week two and you were facing them week one so you're not going to do much of anything to actually be like okay this is uh, you know this is what we're going to show in the regular season right right and so I think now especially because the Rams were so successful last year doing what they did you're not going to see many starters at all and really Sean McVay even said this during the owners meetings he said we're probably going to take a similar approach to what we did last year where you know you saw some joint practices you saw some competitive stuff in practices that we had on our own but we're not really we didn't show much in the preseason games well I don't expect to see a lot of Andrew Whitworth out there sure I want to see him in that coaching hat you know that fun sombrero hat you know in the summertime but I mean guys like Noteboom are going to play a whole lot Uh, it's a big year for guys like him big year for Brian Allen we've talked a lot about him big year for guys like uh, big year for guys like Tyler Higby going into a contract year you're really going to have to show and prove Marcus Peters uh, guys like that how do you get them work the work they need to be great in the regular season but you want to back off in preseason so that dance is always going to be a lot of fun and a little bit of a misnomer it's stuff you see in preseason you're going to see in the regular season it's just completely out of sequence you know what I mean Mm, he's not going to call that play there in that situation he just wants to get as many plays as possible so all that stuff you see in preseason shows up in the regular season somehow right and that's that's what I like about the joint practices because Mm -hmm. you really do get the situational work right you know I'm thinking about when we were in Baltimore last year and we were sweating our patooties off because it was lost the patooties yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but you know when you had those situations and you got to see the rams work things uh, work on things in the red zone right Mm -hmm. you know work on things third down in the middle of the field i almost feel like that is more valuable in a preseason setting than a preseason game itself it just for the starters especially you know because that's the kind of valuable work you're you're gonna have and those things count in practice where if you're showing it in a game and then everybody gets to see it you know what i mean yeah, it, yeah. it's it's way different two things about what happened in baltimore you're exactly right about the work the second thing is i want to be ozzy newsome do you remember when we were watching him post practice and he had a cooler right behind him <laughs> yes, i mean actually. and he was in the shade it was nice i'm like i want to be that guy you know, you're in charge of everything, but you get you can have a cooler with you at mm-hmm. practice. That's cool. That's yeah. almost better than Mike McCarthy getting the massage. Oh, boy. yeah. Well, you can carry a cooler with you, but <laughs> no. I mean, but seriously, I mean, practice when you're practicing against some other football team or in preseason, and let's just say they stack the box with nine guys, right? You might keep the run on in the regular season. You're going to check that. You know that to yes. something else and and find a more advantageous play. But in the preseason, let's just see how they handle it. Let's just see who's tough. Let's put them in a phone booth. Let's see who wants to be more physical that day. You're trying to evaluate guys, not really gain yours. If if that makes any sense, I, I think it does, yeah. and I think that's sort of why. And I don't think I think most fans aren't like this anymore. But you know, you get some people say, "Oh my gosh, you know, why aren't they winning in the preseason? They're not scoring in the." preseason they're not doing this not doing that 
and I, I think it's what you say. They are not, you know, trying to necessarily win the game. They're trying to evaluate guys. Yeah, yeah. For you know the purpose of winning games down the road. Right. And so that's where I think you know preseason and all that, and why I like the situational work because it's valuable and you're really evaluating guys in those situations. You know, and so I don't know. I mean, we don't know exactly if or who the Rams are going to have practices against. I mean, those natural opponents would probably be either Denver or the Texans. Mm -hmm. I mean, or maybe you do it with the Raiders early on um, in training camp, but uh, you know, you would have to travel or do some different things. I think the Broncos, because they're coming to the Mm -hmm. Coliseum and Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of seems to be a natural kind of thing that could happen there. And the the Rams aren't playing um, the Broncos during the regular season. Otherwise it would probably be the Cowboys, but the Rams and Cowboys are playing during the regular season at some point. We don't know that quite yet, but so those are the the ones that I would have to think, okay, you know, I'm right on the fence with these inner squads. As long as it's handled properly, like it was in Baltimore, when you're actually getting work, and it doesn't turn into a pier six brawl. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, where egos get involved or one guy spikes, you know, a seven on seven touchdown and then all of a sudden it gets ramped up and it's, you know, it's full go. And that's just stupid. No one's getting work. We're out here hurting each other. But if you're out here just to work against someone else, so you don't have to bump into your own guys so much and you can just get more evaluation on a certain guy so you can get down to your 53, then great. But if it's just going to be a, a situation where you're trying to appease the mob, where somebody in the crowd says, hey, let's just fight, and then it turns into a fight, well, this is stupid. Right. Blow the whistle, let's get out of here. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, but I think you know, when the Rams did it last year, that's what happened, right? Yeah. They were able to get in that good work over the course of a couple of days. Yeah. And you didn't see the brawls. Unless I'm completely forgetting something. No, I mean, look, I I think it's easier when you don't have Tremaine Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) When you don't have that guy. No, I mean, when you don't have that element of a guy that's just out here to to prove something. You know what I mean? I want to pick this time to wage this personal battle that I'm going to drag everybody else into. And then you lose an entire day of preparation. So yeah. there's no point well, in doing it. We saw that in 17, right? Uh-huh. When the then San Diego Chargers were coming up to. Oh, wait, no, they were. That was their first year as the LA Chargers. Whatever, wherever they're playing, mm-hmm. the Chargers came up to Irvine, right? Yeah. And that was at the second joint practice that they had because I had missed the first one because I was at uh, Kurt Warner's induction ceremony in the Hall of Fame. But that second one that they had, they, Trumaine Johnson got that brawl started, if I believe, <laughs> if I'm correct, with Keenan Allen. Right. Yes. And then, you know, we can go two years prior. He got the other one with yes, Dallas. With, with Dallas <laughs> in Oxnard. Right. It was him and Des Bryant. And Des Bryant wasn't even practicing yeah. that day. Yeah, yeah. So I think what you say is probably pretty true. Just as long as you got have guys that are out there being professional and getting work. Right. And you know this is practice, man. I mean, we're not keeping score here. So if you score on me, it doesn't count. Right. If, if I knock the ball down and you don't score, it doesn't count. We're just trying to work. You know, we're trying to help yes. each other get better, and that's all it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. especially because, again, you're in a situation where you're not playing that team during the regular season. You're, you're probably you're not going to see him in the playoffs. And the only time you're ever going to see him is the Super Bowl. Right. Right? If, right. if it's an AFC, NFC team, you know what I'm saying? So that's where I think <laughs> things are yeah. just different. You know, yeah. like, let's let's work. Let's get each other better today. Yeah, let's let's go out there and, 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 you know, iron sharpens iron. Let's go out there and work a little bit. But guys that have that tape on their helmet or that that share a locker, you know, those free agents. 
teams that the, the bottom of the draft guys, it's a little bit different for them. Get in there and work because when you get back to training camp in your own facility, remember, this is a different style of training camp. You don't have pads on every single day. Right. You don't get to show and improve every single day. So those opportunities for those guys in joint practices, key. Now, if it's just two guys trying to make the club and they wind up brawling, I get that. But, you know, if you're dragging in personal baggage because you want to be known as that guy, that starts fights and that's become stupid. If guys are just going at it and it becomes competitive, I can understand that. That's just football. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I think you always want to see in those in those yeah. situations. Um, one thing that I do think is going to be interesting, just thinking about the preseason as a whole and not seeing the starters. Right. Like some, but you don't really need to a, I mean, pretty clearly the Rams may have had a bit of a slow start in that week one matchup last year against Oakland on Monday night football, but they still won at what? 33 to 15 or 14, mm-hmm. whatever the score of that game was. You, you end up scoring 30 points in a game, I think you're going to be all right. You know, but be, for that reason, I think that's why Sean McVay was like, look, we're probably going to take a similar approach where you're not going to see yeah. many guys, you know, the Todd Gurley's of the world, you're not going to see in the preseason. Aaron Donald, what in the world does he have to prove in a preseason game? I right? wouldn't even bring him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, dude hasn't been to training camp in the last two years and he just got 20 and a half sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be a spectator, then so be it. But if he's anywhere close to the field, he may just run out there. You know what I mean? (laughs) So just just, just make sure you don't bring his pads or his helmet or anything. But yeah, I agree. Um, And going back to that Oakland game, and it's just funny. I was thinking about the moves that happened this offseason. I don't know why people are down on Jared Cook in New Orleans. That should be scary for anyone else in the South. Mm -hmm. That is a fast tight end in the slot with Drew Brees throwing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I read your tweets uh, about Rob Gronkowski, the, the greatest tight end to ever do it. Can't disagree, but it's nice to play with Brady. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> right. You know what no I mean? No doubt. No doubt. But, you know, put, I mean, put, you know, some other Hall of Fame tight ends up there with Brady. Wow. Yes. You know? Well, I mean, look, it, it's almost like what we saw with Randy Moss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and Randy Moss was probably already a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but you put him with Tom Brady, and Tom Brady throws for 50 touchdowns yeah. and has arguably one of the, you know, that is arguably the best offensive season that any team has ever had yes. in 2007. And, and I've seen some good football. offenses, and yeah. that was dynamic. Just think of the guys that Brady has done it with, right? He's made some guys, right? Yes. And then he has, you know, premium talent in Rob Gronkowski, so... It, it makes him that much more unstoppable. But put Gronk someplace else where you're trying to find a quarterback for 10 years of your career. Is he the same guy, same player, same Hall of Famer? No, but uh, you could probably say that about a lot of different guys. No doubt. That's that's the you only know point I, mean? I was trying to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think especially given the the way things sort of happen here, you know, after Kurt Warner, greatest show mm-hmm. on turf, you can say some really great things about Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce, Mm -hmm. and this is probably why they both belong in the Hall of Fame, right? The consistency that those guys showed with a a great many different quarterbacks, right, Right. as they got later on into their career, and, you know, Mark Bolger did have some really good seasons, Mm -hmm. and partially because he was thrown to those two guys, Mm. but I think just... And pace blocking for them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But when you you look at those guys and their careers, Mm -hmm. like, that, to me, speaks to a larger point. I You know, I I always get in fights with 49er fans, because I'm from the Bay Area, and I love doing this. I said, if you flop Rice and Bruce, 
You give Isaac Bruce two Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing to him, he's leading the world in receiving yards and touchdowns. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's Rice is great. Don't get me wrong, but you just can't downgrade a guy like Isaac Bruce and say he's not as good when you consider who's throwing to him versus who's throwing to Rice. Sure. Just like with Gronk. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it's no knock on anybody. I think everybody's great. Uh, just like, uh, you know, that when you when somebody says he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, there's only 32 in the world. So he's pretty good, yes. <laughs> even if he's not good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you say that about Case Keenum. Okay, he's 33. <laughs> <laughs> he's 33. Yeah, and he's got a shot to start oh, again. Unbelievable. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But, you know, do you do you buy into the rumors, I guess you would say, of Josh Rosen to Washington? Because uh, I kind of do. You know, there's a lot of smoke this time of year. Mm-hmm. A lot of smoke screens. Um what did you think of Rosen up close? I didn't think he was as bad as everyone said he was. I, I thought he was either. pretty good. I thought there was a lot going on in Arizona towards the bad. And I think that proves out when you fire a coach after one year. Just like in Green Bay, I thought there was something screwball going on in Green Bay. And mm-hmm. sure enough, here we are. We're finding out now there's something going on. I don't think Rosen is as bad as people are making him out to be. I think he's 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 decent. He's okay. I, he has a chance to get better. Look, I, I think of Rosen in a very similar vein that I think people thought of Jared Goff mm-hmm. after Jared Goff's first year, right? Like that yeah, offense. But Goff can, wasn't near as mobile as this guy. That, yes, yeah. true, true, true. Yeah. But I think, you know, that first season that Jared Goff had, everybody said, oh, my God. What a mess, what a bust, what a this, what a that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and you and I knew this because we're here and so consistently and we saw the things that were going on at practice and et cetera. You can't judge somebody off of that based on what's going on around them. And yeah. I, I feel and basically just like you said, I feel similarly about Josh Rosen, right? There was something going on down in Arizona, right? You don't fire you the coaching that, staff. Yeah, that steaming pile they brought here, was it week two? Week two, yes. Uh, that offensive game plan, you really? This is what you guys went through training camp, mini camp? preseason and this is what you're bringing to the regular season right against wow. a divisional opponent right that had the same coaching staff right like wow unreal you know and the way Sam Bradford was playing I think we blamed it on him being that bad a little bit I think he was telling you like this is this is going nowhere and sure enough it's it didn't it didn't go anywhere it didn't make it a year right yeah right and I mean you know you fire the offensive coordinator and all that and I, I think that Josh Rosen has shown potential um, and I think that he's got a nice arm. I mean, saw him enough at UCLA to know that he can make throws. He found Fitz. He found David Johnson when you gave him enough time to. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I think we saw what I, I guess and I'm being nice, what a mediocre offense looks like when you don't really Why don't ha- you just say bad, dude, when you don't really have a sound game plan. Right. That's that's when you don't have the ability to make adjustments based on what you're seeing. Right. Yes. Uh, There's only so long toughness is going to work. Sure. Before you get into the fourth quarter and you lose. Uh, I think that's what you saw in Arizona. I think that's what you saw in other places where you start to see coaches and and offensive coordinators being fired too early. Uh, I think that's the case in Arizona. Now, that being said, if you have a chance at Kyler Murray, you take that. Really? Absolutely. You take that. I mean, that is the, when you can have the fastest player on the field as your quarterback, you have a good chance to win versus just about anybody. I, Take that guy. I, you know, I saw a tweet from Vinny Bonsignor, and I think it was from when he was uh, at the owners' meetings, and Vinny writes for The Athletic, and he 
had he said he was going around and asking different, you know, executives, oh, who would you rather face from Arizona? You know, Josh Rosen or Kyler Murray. And he said basically people were saying, oh, I'd rather face Josh Rosen because at least, you know, you know about the mobility. He doesn't have as much mobility as Kyler Murray. You kind of understand where he's going to be on the field and how he's going to approach things. Kyler Murray's kind of a wild card and he really does have the arm that, oh, can, yeah. you know, that can make all the throws. And yeah. I, you saw that at Oklahoma time and again. He's, he's a smaller. Well, uh, he's Michael Vick. You know, uh, is same thing. His arm is a piece of vulcanized rubber. He can get it down the field as fast as possible. He's a vulcanized yeah, rubber. Yeah, I mean, Love he it. can whip that football down the field. Mm-hmm. Guys like even with Jared Goff or with Tom Brady, I think we just saw it in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. If the deep defense plays it right, plays it correctly, it's tough for guys to make plays against a defense like that. Even if you've had it done right with guys like Kyler Murray, he can still make you pay. Like Lamar Jackson, can still make you pay. The guy can pull it down and he can he can run. He can just move the football at will, even without. If the play breaks down, it's not dead for him because of his legs. If that makes any what sense. What is that guy's name that plays for the Saints? And I want to call him Grayson Allen, which oh, maybe yeah. says something about me. But uh, number seven, I, I I can see it, and it's it, since you said it, now it's gone. The, the 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 change of pace guy. Yes, the change of pace. The change guy. of pace quarterback. The the gadget guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Yeah, Taysom Hill. Thank, Thank you. you. Just yes. say it, man. Say yes. it out loud. Don't yes. whisper. Good yeah. Lord. Anyway, I wanted to call him Grayson. Give Allen, you a mic so that, now. That, <laughs> Taysom Hill is the same kind of quarterback, right? And yeah. we saw this when the Rams played the Saints at some. I can't remember right. if it was the first game or the second game, but it was fourth down. Mm-hmm. They had it played right. The defense had it played right. He pulls it down and he runs with it and he gets five yards and a yeah. first down. Right. That's the difference that you have with a quarterback who's got that kind of mobility ability. True. I would love to have a guy like that for Jared Goff or any, I think any coordinator, if you could, if you can add another guy, it would be a guy like that, that you can substitute in for your traditional pocket passer. Could Blake Bortles potentially be that kind of guy? No, God, no. Why not? Why would you do that? I mean, uh, I'm just saying that because he is a quarterback with some ability and he can run a little bit. He can run a little bit. I mean, I think he makes, you know, hay running with the football when you least expect it. You know, I wouldn't want him running on cold run plays just so people can tee off on my quarterback. The only reason Hill does what he does is because he can take it. You know, the guy's been doing this for a long time. He's not just a quarterback. You've seen the way he looks. Yes. You wouldn't say that guy's a quarterback. You say that guy's a safety. You know what I mean? Okay. The way he looks. Blake Bortles is a quarterback that can run. Right. And leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I don't know. We're just, we're, we're talking about scenarios. This is April where we spitball different things. Yeah. You got to be able to, when you run like that, you got to be able to take what comes on the other end of runs like that. Right. When you're putting yourself in harm's way, sometimes somebody's going to have you boxed in. You're going to take one or two. You're going to have to be able to take that, get up and walk back to the huddle. You know what I mean? Yes. Certain quarterbacks aren't built that way. Okay. Yeah. No, I just, it was just a random idea that popped into my head. No. Honestly, I don't think that it's something that we're able to do either. But But I can't wait to see him in preseason. Bortles? In this offense. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, this is going to be really his chance to show what he can do Mm -hmm. heading, I mean, he's in a contract year Mm -hmm. and he said, you know, to to us and to um, the media at, at, at large, you know, I want to come here so I can improve myself as a quarterback and then have a chance to maybe be a starter once again in this league you know he feels like he should be able to do that and yeah you know we'll see i think his reputation was toast in jacksonville yeah 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, even no matter what he did well or the good Blake Bortles was always going to be overshadowed by what they thought of him. So fresh start out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get some of that Sean McVay shine and just run this offense and let's see how good you really are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be the guy here. You don't have to answer questions after games. That's Jared Goff's job. Mm -hmm. You just have to get ready and prepare yourself to play. That's all. And prepare and help to prepare him to play. Right. And that's that's all you really need to do as a backup quarterback. You know, you're always one play away. True. And I think and we talked about this before. That's the good thing about having a guy like Blake Bortles, who actually has more starting experience than a Jared Goff. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because and this is no diss to Sean Mannion, who, you know, congratulations to him. He signed a deal with the Vikings. But when you have a guy like Sean Mannion, who is inexperienced and has to come in, there's just a difference there. Right. Right. Like, uh, Sean Mannion. <laughs> has not played really in a game of consequence since he was at Oregon State. You know, he's yeah. not, he, he just hasn't. And so when you have Blake Bortles, who has played in games of consequence, won playoff games, been to the AFC championship game in New England, mm -hmm. that I think does mean something when you say, all oh, right, yeah. it's week four and Jared Goff just sprained an ankle. Now we need you to come in for a few plays. You know no what I'm saying? This is, an up, this is a caddy upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yes. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yes. you're, you're yes. getting that's top a good of the line it. right now. This is a guy that's, like you said, has starters experience. You know, he he's a guy that's been through everything that Sean Mannion wants to wants to go through at some point in his life, and he's not there yet. So this is definitely an upgrade. And it's not to say that I wish anything bad on Mannion. Yes, yes, I, one I, hit and he could be in the game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I feel the same way. About and that. maybe with a different staff, a uh, different scheme, you might actually get to see what what he really can do in this offense with that rocket arm. The one thing we always said about Mannion is the guy throws it a thousand miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Not sure where it's going, but he can throw it a thousand miles an hour. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, so let's turn into the off season program a little bit, yeah. which starts next Monday. We're five days away from the start of the off-season program, which is cool. I mean, the guys get back in the building. They can finally talk football again with Sean McVay. But, you know, you cannot have any coaching out on the field. That's the, mm -hmm. the tenet of phase one <laughs> of the off-season program. Only strength and conditioning can go on on the field. So I guess what are you looking forward to from the Rams off-season program? Well, if you waited until then to start working out, you're late. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, have you, you've seen the videos of Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. Yeah, the guy can play right now yeah probably he never gets out of shape and i think that that is the new nfl that's the new nfl player there is no offseason uh so this is just a it's it's more of a formality it's just uh, get your groups together in one uniform so you can look at them but you should be really working out before this program starts. Usually in years past, you took a break. You had an offseason, and then you used the offseason program to get into shape. This is you're already in shape, you stay in shape, and you just, you're doing the same things you would do elsewhere just here with your team. Is that, right. If that makes any sense. Yes, yeah. yes. And I think that's You well, should be. <laughs> you should be doing that. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. You, you, we've talked about before how, you know, you see the mantras on the walls in um, at Cal Lutheran where the standard is the standard. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorites. And you got a guy like Aaron Donald. He sets the standard, right? And it's something that Samson Abukam said in an interview that he did for Behind the Grind. And I think that will be in this week's episode, which premieres tomorrow at 6 o'clock. You can watch that on Facebook Watch and on the Rams.com and on the Rams mobile app. Ding! 
Yep. Um, but what he was talking about is when you see somebody like Aaron Donald, and he is a man of 20 and a half sacks, right? Mm. The best defensive player in the league. I think we can say that definitively. And you see him working out the way he's working out in these videos. How can that not motivate you? To want to do better, to want to go out and actually and make sure you're competing against yourself and getting better on a day to day basis, too. Some guys just don't have the same passion. And some guys will look at that and say, like, wow, he's crazy. Well, he's just got more passion for the game than you. You know what I mean? Or if you had a 20 sack season, I mean, you're on a boat, you're cruising to Tahiti and you, you've reached it, mom. I'm here. I'm at the I'm at the pinnacle. Well, he wants to get better. You know, what he did doesn't matter. It's only what he's about to do from this point. So uh, guys like him are rare. You know what I mean? No doubt about that. They're rare. Um, But how can it not motivate you? I mean, if you're a guy that's hell-bent on just relaxing at this part of the year, that would drive you nuts because it it shows you up. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? So I I could see how guys would be like that would just – I don't even want to see that guy working out. Or I would call him and say, hey, can you dial it back some? Or just Res- not, can you just not post that on social yeah, media? Yeah, we're right supposed now? to be resting now, right? You know what I mean? I've already gained 40 pounds. And here you are, you're, you're showing off, you know, washboard abs. You're making me look bad. Hey, look, get with it or get gone. That's just the way it is. That's what I'm saying. The standard is the standard. Yeah. You know, you see it from Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. Those guys were on vacation together with their wives. I think they, they were in Thailand or yeah, somewhere. Doing stairs. Yes. Jumping around in Thailand, yeah. working out. Now, look, if jumps. you're in Thailand, just work, just just vacation, man. <laughs> just vacation. Have some fun. No workouts. When you get back to the States, start working out. Hey, man. But that's what I'm saying. The standard yeah. is the standard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are Driven. the Rams good? Right. You know what? You, know, you have to be working when other people aren't. Yeah, yeah. That's the nature of, to me, it's the nature of sports. No doubt. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I hope everybody's working. Um, look, by the time you put on pads, if you're not ready for, for AD, if you're not ready for these receivers, they're going to blow by you. Exactly. And if you're a guy that's got one or two reps per day to prove that you should be here, you better be working just as hard as they are mm-hmm. because you're only going to get one or two and they're going to be ready to go day one. Yes, exactly. So that's the one thing that I think happens in the first part of the offseason program. You're either like, OK, I'm, I'm where I need to be or, yeah. oh, man, I need to catch up. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I miss the old mini camp days and you know, where guys were when they'd work out and you can smell alcohol on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're going but we're not going too hard. It's a different era now. I mean, the way practice is in training camp and in the regular season, it's it's not so strenuous, but the one thing they do demand is that you're in shape you know, 12 months a year. Yes. Yeah. So that's the Aaron Donald thing. It, it needs to be, that's going to be more commonplace than, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, I think the, one of the interesting elements of the off season program, when you get into something like year three of a program with a coach, it makes it very different than say, you know, when you're integrating new coordinators every year, when you've got mm-hmm. a new head coach, different things like that. It's like stepping up from advanced math to calculus, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, especially on offense, you can continue to implement new things. You can say, okay, what do we need to work on from last year and then work on that 
as we get through things, you know, whether it's in the classroom or then in phase two, we can start working on things and situations In phase three, we can work on it against the defense as well. And I think about this from um, Joe Thomas, the future Hall of Fame left tackle of the Cleveland Browns, Mm -hmm. who once said, who I once read a quote from him and it was basically to the effect of, you know, here in Cleveland, when we get to April, we're introducing ourselves to the new coach, to new teammates, new everything every single year. Whereas Mm -hmm. with the Saints, they've had Sean Payton and Drew Brees for so many years, they get to work on what they were bad at the last year. (laughs) They don't have to introduce a new (laughs) offense. They're trying to step up and improve. And I think that's where the Rams are right now, where they can work on things and improve on specific elements. It's the heaven and hell of making the Super Bowl. Here's the heaven part. You're in the Super Bowl, right? And you're a pretty good football team. The hell of it, you're picking at 31, right? Yeah. Some of those top 10 guys, if they wound up here, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Especially some of those really fast tight ends that you know Sean McVay would love. Or, Or some of those edge rushing or defensive tackles that are top 10 worthy that you don't have a shot at because you're already a pretty good football team. So it's the heaven and hell of being great. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, you don't get to pick those guys, but you just you ended the season in February. It's awesome, but you're going to miss out on some of the best college players coming into the NFL. You're going to have to play against those guys now. Yes, yeah. you will in your division. I mean, look, oh, yeah. the, the Niners and the Cardinals are 1-2 and two in this upcoming draft, so yeah. that's part of it. What's that? that what's the, the tight end? That's supposed to go number one. I can't remember his name. Uh, the Iowa guy? Yes. Uh, Hockman? Hawkinson? TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is that kid in uh, San Francisco reborn. George Kittle. No, the other one. The tight end. The, the fullback. Oh, Kyle Juszczyk? Oh, my God. That guy. That guy's a problem. Yeah. Wherever he winds up, that's an issue. I'm telling you. For whoever, division-wise, whoever has to cover him, that guy is going to be a problem. Well, see, so you bring up something interesting because um, when we were on Mailbag last week and you were fishing and catching halibut, JB Mm -hmm. and I took a question that was um, essentially what position – would surprise you for the Rams in the draft. And I mean, I said, it, I, okay, what position would be a surprise? And I said tight end mm-hmm. because I think that might surprise people given the way that, you know, the Rams seem to have more needs on defense. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still yeah. think that if you get a chance to get a tight end that can be really effective in this offense, that's something that the Rams might do. Because what is the one position on the offense that maybe has not produced to a level that's like really, really high in the last two years under Sean McVay? It's tight end. I was going to say running back. What? I was just kidding. Oh. Just to see your face change. But go ahead. Yeah, you're on a roll. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, and I, it's funny because I wrote this um, in an article last month about um, Everett, uh, Gerald Everett's potential improvement in 2019. And mm-hmm. you got to remember, Gerald Everett is still a guy that they picked in the second round. He's somebody that, to you know, my understanding, the Rams are still pretty high on. But I don't think that would preclude them from taking another tight end. No. Because. Why? Right. Yeah. But like, if you're looking for tight end improvement, this is what, you know, I wrote tight ends have accounted for only 107 receptions for 1,227 yards with eight touchdowns, right? In two years. So bring that down further. It's an average of 53 and a half receptions for 613 and a half yards with four touchdowns per season from the tight ends group. Right. 
that's a place where you want to be able to get better because it will make the offense better. No doubt. Well, I mean, I'm looking at where the ball is going. I'm thinking about guys. First cup, and then you have to go Cooks, and then Woods, and then Todd Gurley takes up a chunk of the carries and receptions, right? So if you're going to throw to the tight end more, then someone else is seeing a few less balls, right? I can only imagine that's probably going to be Todd Gurley, unless he says I'm I'm a thousand percent and he's going to be that same guy. So the tight end is going to be more on front street this season, especially early I in this offense. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's not that Higby can't do it. I think he is perfect for this offense. Uh, if he sees more passes, I think you see more production. I think Gerald Everett is the guy that takes it to a whole new level because of his athleticism. But we haven't seen that just yet. So if there's another guy sitting in the draft that you have a chance to get that can be just as dynamic or even more dynamic than the guys you already have, I, I see no need why you would say, well, we're fine here. We'll just pass on this guy. Take that guy, put him in your offense, and see if he can be effective. I think part of the reason why the Rams can do that is because they've been so effective in uh, structuring their team right now so that you can really pencil in 11 starters Mm -hmm. on offense and on defense. Now, and I say that you can pencil them in because, yes, guys can be replaced, different things can happen, and we're still in April. Week one isn't until September. But because you've done that, that means that the draft is wide open for you, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to fill a need immediately. And right. that's that's pretty huge. I know what helps you, uh, what would have helped or what could have helped in the Super Bowl, so to speak. And I bet you'll see this more. It's 12 personnel. When you have two tight, on, tight ends on the field, it, it balances out the defense. You really can't key on one side or the other because there's two tight ends out there now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And it makes your quarterback have to be that much better and that much more accurate and that much more deceptive. But I think Jared Goff can do it. So I would bet dollars to donuts, you'll see a lot more 12 out of Sean McVay coming into this season. And he'll be just as dynamic with the same two guys. If you want to add one more guy into that mix that can be just as dynamic too, I, like I said, it'll be hard for them to say no to another pass-catching tight end. Right, and, and I would not doubt that. I think Sean McVay has kind of addressed it a little bit in saying that Gerald Everett was a guy that they really did have plans for, but he suffered that shoulder injury in August mm-hmm. last year, so that kind of set him back for a little bit. And he had been doing a really good job in training camp, I mean, Gerald Everett, but it just, I don't think it clicked as well as they would have liked to, in part, because of that injury that he suffered, right? So right. you miss time, and then you know it sets you back, and then boom, you're you're in the middle of the regular season. And at that point, you know, until Cooper Cup went out, mm-hmm. you weren't gonna give up eleven percent no. because it was working really well, and right. you got to eight no. Right. So I think that's part of it. No doubt. Well, look, you're getting into year three for him. Everett? For Gerald Everett? Yes. Yeah. So in the business of football, it, it stands the reason that you need to start balling if you want to see a payday. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like, same thing with Tyler Higby. Mm-hmm. You're moving up on a contract year. So both of those guys should be extra motivated. Well, and I think when you talk about the tight end, I, in elements that the Rams could stand to improve going into 2019, I think these two things are connected. The tight end production and red zone production, right? Because you're talking about a team in the Rams that, yes, they finished second in scoring, which which it's hard to really complain about offensive production when you're doing that, but they still rank 18th in red zone touchdown percentage and 22nd in goal to go to a touchdown percentage. Crazy. It is. Yeah. And th- again, this is a team that finished second in scoring. So, you know, how much better could this team have been if you really are scoring touchdowns more in the red zone? Yeah. That's, it's kind of wild to think about. It's funny. I think I'm backwards and I think I'm more in line with, with Coach McVeigh, I think. I think we had this discussion. When people think red zone, they think throw the ball. Mm-hmm. 
no, this is where I want to run the hell out of it. Yes. Yeah. This is where I've got everything constricted. And I think I can, if I, if I break one tackle, I'm in the end zone. And at least I can get the defense to collapse, and then I can throw the ball over your head. That's the only thing that makes it work, right? Right. Um, but I think some teams just get real pass happy in the red zone, and you know, when, what do they say when the ball's in the air? Three things are happening: two, two are yeah, bad. Two, yes. Yeah, exactly. two are bad. So I mean, running the football in the red zone to me, I think makes you a better red zone offense. Well, the funny thing too is that Todd Gurley had 21 touchdowns, uh-huh. and he still led the league, and he didn't play basically the last two to three games of the season, right? Right. So. Again, it's kind of hard to complain about these kinds of things, but if you're at a place now in terms of the Rams and especially their offense where you can nitpick. And if you're going to nitpick, this is something where it's like, okay, this is something clear that this team can get better at. And so that's right. what I think that, you know, especially if you have a tight end who can be that guy, the big mismatch guy in the red zone, that's where that can really improve. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, I think you've had shots with, uh, with, with tight ends here, with Higby in the end zone that just weren't caught. Mm-hmm. So you had opportunities to score there with big tight ends. So I, I think you've already you've got the offense. You just didn't have the production to to back it up. Um, there were some bad things that happened, some unfortunate things that happened. But like you said, it didn't matter much because you wound up in the Super Bowl and you scored thirty points a game. Exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, you, when you look at the the top four teams in scoring that were also the top four teams left mm-hmm. um, in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Kansas City was second in red zone percentage, 10th in goal to go scoring situations. Kelsey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) New Orleans was fourth in red zone scoring, number one in goal to go. Kamara Kamara and Ingram. Ingram, Right. But the New England was 15th in the red zone and 26th in goal to go situations. Crazy. And they they won the Super Bowl. Defending champions. champions. Right. So there were, what is it? There are stats. There are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. Stats. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So it, it, it's interesting if you take a look at it that way. Yeah. But it's, it's still something that I think the Rams can improve. No doubt. I mean, look, it's it's a number. I mean, everybody wants to, you know, be ranked number one in everything, but that's just impossible. And you'd have to go back and look at every single game as to why you, you I wouldn't say you had a lack of success in the red zone, right? Right. Maybe you're scoring from a thousand miles out. You know what I mean? Sometimes you did. Yeah. Some, and a lot of the times you did. And sometimes you just had a lot of unfortunate things happen in the red zone. But uh, even when you can't score there, you still had the benefit of Greg Zerline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter where you are, if you can't score, you still have points in your pocket. And that could come from the paint, as we saw. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No doubt about it. Um, What positions do you think that the, are, the Rams are mostly candidates for at 31 right now? Oh, offensive line, defensive line, definitely. O-line, D-line at, at 31. Um, and I would bet it's going to be one of those tackles. It depends on what happens with Kyler Murray and how this thing plays out with these quarterbacks. Now that Drew Locke has come in and may replace Haskins as the third quarterback or one of the quarterbacks off the board, and if, if these teams start moving up and down. But at 31, I would bet it's either going to be a defensive tackle because this draft is loaded with them or an offensive lineman. Okay. Guaranteed. And you can't go wrong with either one. You need both. Yes, you do. You need to establish more depth at both of those mm-hmm. spots. Now, I think depending on <sighs> – I don't know what you might see in the offseason program and what, you know, how the Rams might feel when Brian Allen come in, when Joe Noteboom come in, that may, that may say, okay, we can wait for a little bit and maybe get some offensive line depth later where we want maybe a guy who's more of a now impact guy at 31. You know, if he's a can't miss guy and I think Blythe is coming up on a contract year, I believe he's a free agent in 2020. 
Yes, I think yeah, I believe right he is. That. So he's coming up. Um, and if he has a fantastic year, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but you're going to need depth there. No doubt. No doubt. Um, y- your whole bread and butter is Jared Goff protecting him and getting the ball down the field. So if there's if it if it's down between a first round offensive lineman that's still there at 31 or a first round defensive tackle or edge rusher that's sitting there at 31, I'd probably go O-line because I think you can get more of those tackles and edge rushers second round, third round, fourth round, definitely. This draft is loaded with defensive players. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I think, you know, based on the mock drafts that I see, and you can't base too much of those things um, on that, but like there, there seem to be some really good quality, high quality offensive linemen that the Rams could also pick at those spots. And especially because look, you have a young franchise quarterback. Your offense is kind of predicated on the run game. I think more than people think. (laughs) So you need to be able to run the ball effectively. You have to be able to protect Jared Goff effectively. So those five spots up front on the offensive line are critical and you have to be able to make sure you have depth there as you know, the offensive line gets older or comes up on contract years. No doubt. I'm so with you on running the football with this team. If Todd Gurley is ripping off runs six, seven yard uh, yards per carry, like in the first and second quarter, then Jared Goff's going to have a hell of a day. And, and Sean McVay is going to have one of those magical days calling plays because you can run the football. When you stop the run, then this team has trouble moving the football. Absolutely. But every team has trouble moving the football when you're stopping the well, run. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the Vikings game, right? No doubt. Uh, right. You know, we, we, we saw that on Thursday Night Football. Jared Goff was incredible in that game, had mm-hmm. a perfect passer rating, and he, he did everything that he had to do executing throws. But Sean McVay also had a brilliant game calling it. And you also saw the Rams were effective up front and they could block whoever they needed to block. No doubt. If you can control the middle, control those linebackers and give those safety something else to think about, then eventually you'll slip somebody behind them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a matter of time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I want to talk a, mo- a little bit about this Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy thing that you kind of brought <laughs> <Massage>. up. Massage. <laughs> Right? He was getting a massage. Allegedly. <laughs> Michael so McCarthy gangster. came out and vehemently denied that. Of course, wouldn't you? Well, yes. <laughs> I, I I'm, choose, a big, I'm a big guy. I'm a big I choose proponent. to believe it because I think it's funny. I'm a big proponent of lie till you die. Right. Like, and so I, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy <laughs> was doing that. But like, isn't that just an interesting story? An interesting amount of things that just have come out from that in Aaron Rodgers goes on the radio in Milwaukee oh, yeah. and like really blows it up because you don't see a lot of athletes or people basically responding to things like that in the manner that he did. Well, okay, the economics of football, right? When you pay your quarterback, you can't really build a team, right? Because they're making all the money. Allegedly, yes. And once you hand the keys to the franchise over to that quarterback, you're kind of stuck. Look at Pittsburgh. Uh, fair. Now look at Green Bay. You know what I mean? Okay. They paid the guys, and now th- they can say and do what they want. They don't care. They know they're going to be the starter, and they know they're making a mint. You know what I mean? Yes. It's 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 a different attitude. It kind of retards football, it. the team building aspect. It kind of changes the the head coach quarterback dynamic. And when the quarterback starts to challenge the head coach or challenge people publicly, the other fifty two guys. Split. 
half are with the quarterback, half are with the head coach. And guess where you go? Nowhere. Right. Yeah. You get knocked out of the playoffs or you don't even make the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Well, that And, and guess who's guaranteed to come back? The Nine, quarterback. Not, the quarterback is the only guy guaranteed to come back. Right. Like you can't get rid of him. Exactly. You pay him that much money. Right. I, right. That's why I'm curious what the Seattle's going to do with Russell Wilson. That's where I was going with Oh, this. I'm sorry. If he's starting to angle towards I want the biggest contract in the world, and what if they're not willing to give him one? But shouldn't they be? Why? Well, because of what he's done. Okay. What did he do? He's won them a Super Bowl. When? Uh, in, in, in Oh, well, when the defense won it. <laughs> right. When the defense took out Peyton Manning and made saying. them look silly. Okay. I'm okay, not saying he's they, bad, but go ahead. No, but then, I mean, he, they were uh, an interception away from winning a second. True. Right? He right. took them to the playoffs in a year where they were not supposed to be very good. He's set a record for touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Highest like, this paid guy, ever. That's the way contracts work, though. Okay, but just because that's the way the market works. Just the way the market works, or just be, that's the way it's been done, or that's history. Do you think that you should pay that guy that much money? Yes, I do. You would pay him all that money? I would. Because and what you, else are you going to you do? You lose half your team. You don't necessarily lose half your team. It's all about, no, but DeMarco, they made the playoffs this last year basically doing Running the that. football. Yes, running the yeah, football. Yeah, running the daylights out of the ball. Yes, and figuring out a way to win, right? Yeah. Because you have to go with what you're, and I thought Pete Carroll did a really nice job of this, adapting and adjusting your program to what you've got, right? Right. Or finding players in the draft, in free agency, wherever it may be, that fit your program and fit the style where you want to win. That's what that's what building a program is all about. That's no doubt. how you get sustained success in the NFL. But it starts with making sure you have a quarterback no, wait a minute. who can get you there. B- before, it was Legion of Boom defense, right? Right. So it's, it's not just about one quarterback taking you there. If you build a team the right way, you can do it with an average quarterback. You can be competitive with an average guy at quarterback. If your team is built the right way. Okay. If you're smart about it, look at the opposite way. Look at what's happening in Detroit. Look at what happened in in Baltimore. When you pay one guy a ton of money and you start to hemorrhage talent, you're good. You're okay. Are you competitive? Are you going to compete for Super Bowls every year because you paid the quarterback? No, there's no guarantee. Well, but what about, I think what you have to do in those situations is say, who are you drafting, right? True. You, you know, have to be you smart. You have to hit on those picks right. every single year. That's what I mean about building a program. When you are able to identify exactly who's going to work for your football program, both on and off the field, that's what helps you sustain success. The Patriots are obviously an anomaly, but you have other teams like Baltimore, yeah, which they, have really- They got Brady on the cheap. Right. Twice. I know. <laughs> yeah, but Baltimore, right. uh, by and large, has been successful over the last 10 to 15 years, right? Yeah. They have the same infrastructure of the former Cleveland Browns, which is something that I don't need to talk about because I have a lot of opinions on that. But you also have the Pittsburgh Steelers who have sustained success over a long period of time. The Green Bay Packers until this year were another team sustained success over a long period of time because you have a program that you have built. True. Right. We'll see what happens to Pittsburgh this year. Yes. Yeah. You're going to lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Mm hmm. It, it basically in the same two years mm-hmm. and still expect to be competitive. We'll see. Yes. Okay. We'll see. So th- we'll, no, yeah. right. And I agree with you, but I mean, the Colts are another team that were able to sustain success for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they, I had one of the best quarterbacks of all time for a lot of that, but with Andrew luck, then they've also been able to be competitive and show they, they also went to the playoffs last year. They won a playoff game. So 
Wow. These are teams that like, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying like, and they paid Andrew Luck too, you know? True. So uh, there is a way to sustain success if you are building a program the right way. I hope they do. I hope they do in Seattle. I hope they tie up all that money in one guy. I do. I hope they give him the biggest contract ever. Yeah, because you're saying this because it benefits the race. I'm just saying. I, I hope they do. I hope they pay him and give him the biggest contract in NFL history. Let's see how those numbers work in two seasons. Let's see who's left up there. Coach, uh, coaching included. Yeah. If you well, pay I mean, him that much money. is on the older side. Yeah, yes. Right, right. Let's yes. see Let's see who's left at the end of that deal. Yes. Right. All right. Um, the one thing I do want to also talk about before we get out of here is Patrick Johnson's surprise resignation wow. from being Lakers president last night. Have you ever seen anything like no, that? No. You should at least call your boss. Right. Before you quit. Because that's basically what happened. Magic quit. Yes. Yeah. Just right before, randomly, basically. I'm, sh- I'm shocked. Seemingly, the, right before a game. Maybe he quit before he was going to get fired? I don't know. Because this is a mess. Yeah. The Lakers are a complete mess right now. Which is bizarre to think. I mean, yeah. you get the best player in the world, and you still have this happen. I know. Right? It's 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 odd. It's funny. I never thought I'd see the day where Magic stepped down and, you know— before he was asked to, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Without talking to anybody in the bus family about doing it, you know, it just, it's an odd situation. I, I think it kind of like in Arizona, like in green Bay, there's something screwball going on behind the scenes that even we don't know. Yeah, probably. And there's so much coverage on the Lakers here that you think, you know, everything about this team, yeah. but there's, there's a lot more that we don't know. Well, it's just, it's so interesting to me because, you know, when you start seeing things like that on Twitter, it's kind of like, wait, what? Right. You know? Yeah. And I just, it means that there's, if you're Magic Johnson and you do that, like there is only probably a few people in the United States who could resign a job in the way he did and still have positive opinions about them. Like there's exactly, that's what I'm saying. There is, you have some kind of clout in order to be able to do that. Baby sky hook, man. Baby sky hook to win in Boston. Yeah, forever, <laughs> forever you get a pass, forever. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and he's it's the man. Just, I just, I think it's really interesting the way that all went down. It just, it's a shock. I can't believe it. I thought it was the funniest quote. He said, I was happier before I took this job. Yeah. I'm like, magic. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of people that feel the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's also talking about basically like he wants to send tweets. Right. Right? Like he's yeah. like, I can't acknowledge Dwayne Wade's last game and I want to do that. I want to be able See, to be the, everybody's big brother. I want Magic in that same situation, that same vein as Charles Barkley and Shaq, where they can talk about their sport. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I, I think his voice is necessary. It's needed in today's NBA. You know, because like in football, we don't really celebrate the past, and I think we lose our way sometimes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when we have guys, the greats, that are there to talk about the game, to shepherd the young, you know, to to – to get them to understand that the game wasn't invented with you. It's been around longer than you. It's going to be around longer than you. You know what I mean? Yes. I think, especially in this in, in this sport, we, we lose sight of how long this game's been around. Mm-hmm. The, the stuff we're seeing out of Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr., we've seen before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, the stuff we're seeing out of Todd Gurley, we've seen before. You know what I mean? But as of right now, it seems like the game was invented with them. 
if that makes sense. I, I think yeah. it does. And I think what you're saying is true, right? You want to be able to really celebrate that history and learn from the history yeah. and then apply it to what we can do today. What was the, the best? game is very cyclical. The best quote I heard, it was about Michael Jordan. Uh, what was his name? The, the Celtics, the, oh Larry my God. Bird? Nope. The other one. Danny Nope. The other one. Go back farther. Oh my Bill God, Russell. Bill Russell. Excuse me. Thank that, you. That oh was, my God. Just I said, me Bill Russell. I, yeah, I wow, that's really bad because I, I said Walton and I meant Russell. Well, I'm bringing up the point. And I can't remember the guy's name, well, but Bill you Russell at least played. Bill Russell leaned over to Michael Jordan and said, "Remember, you're the next me." Hmm. Imagine the stones it takes to say that to Jordan. Right. Yeah. Just remember, you're great, but you are the next me. And there's going to be a LeBron and Kobe after you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sad that this is the way it ended for Magic with the Lakers, you know, running the team. But I'm happy that you get Magic back, you know, in a, in a more national level. Right. Now we can talk to him about basketball. As the ambassador yeah, absolutely. for basketball. Yeah. And I think that, you know what, if that's where he wants to be, and I think he should be able to do it. The thing that struck me, too, about what he was saying is, you know, when Ben Simmons calls and he wants me to mentor him and we try to go through the proper channels and then it becomes this whole big brouhaha. And like, I just, I want to be able to reach out and help the next generation. Smart. And I think that that's something that's pretty admirable. And, you know, there are examples everywhere of Magic Johnson wanting to do that, to wow. help people. And like, that's Magic at best. So the Lakers next year won a championship with LeBron and Magic has his first interview and said, yeah, see, I did that. I did that by stepping aside. <laughs> Magic wins again. <laughs> I think that can serve as our parting shot. Everybody, thanks so much for listening to this edition of Between the Horns. For more of the Rams offseason and coverage of the Rams offseason program, be sure to check out the Rams. Eat some halibut, too.